This episode of Geekville Radio is dedicated to the memory of Angela Lansbury and Robbie Coltrane. Geekville Radio. Welcome once again, Geeks and Geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Zandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio. Coming at you with a new show here. We got some news. We got some respects to pay. And we will have the main event part of the show. We will get everybody who isn't familiar with Black Adam all primed and ready. Because as of this recording, this coming Friday, October 21st, we'll see the debut of Black Adam on the big screen. We want people to be up to speed if they don't know the character. Fortunately, I don't have to do it alone. Joining me once again from the nice soft padded cell in the South Kakalaki, Crazy Train Jonathan Bullock. All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. Yep, we're going to do this so with Black Adam. I think we did it with Captain Marvel and Shazam. So the format ought to be, ought to be that familiar to our regular listeners. And but before that, we do have some news. This week in Geek News. There's actually two big news stories that hit earlier today. The first one, I, I had heard the rumors, but I didn't really want to talk about them on the air because I don't like discussing unconfirmed rumors because I don't want to spread false information or maybe even just I don't want to get people's hopes up just to have them be dashed but apparently Marvel has recast the role of Thunderbolt Ross in the form of Harrison Ford I I don't know why they didn't go for Sam Elliott I'm guessing they're just trying to ignore the 2003 Hulk movie that that we all saw it was a deadline that reports that Ford will take over the role obviously William Hurt played Ross for the MCU from 2008 through, I guess it was Black Widow in 2021, Ford will debut in Captain America New World Order, which will be Anthony Mackie's big screen return, because of course he became Captain America and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series. No plot details have been released yet. This also means he's the third actor now to play General Ross on the big screen. Sam Elliott and that impressive mustache first portrayed Ross in a 2003 Hulk movie, then... William Hurt took over the role and the mustache. No word yet on whether Ford will have the trademark mustache, but I would imagine he should. I did actually find a picture of Ford with a mustache. I'm guessing it was from the late 80s, early 90s. And if that's his real mustache, then uh, I think he will fit the part well. I'm assuming you don't have any problem with Harrison Ford playing just about anything in the Marvel Universe, wouldn't you? No. I mean, Harrison Ford already well-established for who he is. He obviously got decent ties with Disney because he's done Star Wars movies for them and they're, they're still making, as far as I know, the fifth Indiana Jones. So, right. yeah. <laughs> and, and and the mustache thing is interesting to me because, first off, what we paid tribute to William Hurt was that would they recast it? Well, that's answered, this is answered that question. Mm-hmm. But on the mustache front, we've talked about before that Tom Selleck was in the early running to play Indiana Jones mm-hmm. and he had to bow out because of Magna P.I. You're talking gray mustaches. I, I have a hard time believing he would have shaved that thing that what he played Indy. Isn't that the same kind of mustache you're picking there? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if they call it like the Chevron mustache or whatever. I'm not a mustache because I, I don't look good with facial hair. So I'm, I've never really dabbled in I, mustaches. I'm jealous. I, I want to be able to grow one like that. Fill in mm-hmm. and connect with my goatee, which my goatee is quite like, nice. But I'm jealous. And I mean, I call it the 1970s porn, porn stash. Because John Holmes, probably the most famous male adult film star, had a mustache. Heck, Ron Jeremy's our generation's most famous. Mm-hmm. And he has one, too. Yeah. So, 
I don't know what it is. <laughs> I guess it is that sleeves factor that uh, audiences yeah. come to accept that kind of that particular uh, line of entertainment. Yeah, the, the late great Freddie Mercury was also no slouch in the mustache oh, yeah. category. No, and he was, but he was clean shaven for what ten years before he grew the thing. Probably, yeah. We could probably do a whole report: the top twenty greatest mustaches of all time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> First time I remember Freddie having it would have been around uh, Little Bite the Dust. Like, yeah, so yeah, I think so. Early eighties, yeah. I'm assuming he's going to have the mustache, but we'll probably find out beforehand. But the release date for Captain America New World Order, which I don't think will have anything to do with Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, or Kevin Nash, but uh, it'll hit theaters in May 3rd of 2024. So we got about a year and a half left to see Harrison Ford on the big screen as General Ross. Now, over on the DC front, another piece of news hit, because we've talked about this off and on over the last couple of years, really about Henry Cavill returning as Superman. We all want to see it. I know I know you want to see it, and of course I want to see it. And we'd heard all these rumblings about they were going to recast Superman, they were going to do a, a black Superman movie, or they were going to do like a reboot. And then we heard about people pleading with Warner Brothers from within the company saying, no, keep, keep Cavill, don't, don't try to recast the part. That'll just confuse people even more. Well, the Hollywood Reporter published an article. They actually gave several updates uh, about DC stuff, but they did talk about Cavill returning as Superman. It says, under Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav and Warner Brothers picture heads Michael DeLuca and Pam Abdi, I hope I'm saying those names right, Warner has an intense desire to reprise the Cavill iteration of the hero. The project would essentially be Man of Steel 2 and is being produced by Charles Roven and is currently in a search for writers. Is that that's probably the most concrete news I've heard, at least as far as giving names and possibilities in that. So I, I take it you're, you'd be all for another return for uh, Superman, right? Oh, yeah. And he seems to like doing the role, too, on top of being yeah. able, I think, to have a good Superman. Film. We both agree, without a doubt, he nails the look. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I noticed in, in your list of all the particulars involved, and here's Zack Snyder's. Right. Yeah, and I don't know if he'll be doing DC movies from now, and I'm, I'm, I haven't heard of him being connected to anything else after he did that, that Justice League. I um, do find it interesting that they, they compare it to us, Man of Steel 2, because most of us in the geek community kind of already felt that Batman v Superman kind of was a, a, a partly a, a Man of Steel 2, because it was definitely a continuation of that story. You know, it was the events of that movie that led Bruce down his path he went down in that movie. Another heavy hitter that is all for Team Cavill, if you want to call that, is is The Rock, Dwayne Johnson himself, because he's been doing the media right. rounds for Black Adam. And he said at a recent media appearance, somebody had asked him, do you want to have an on-screen fight between Black Adam and Superman? And The Rock just said, absolutely. That's the whole point of this thing, man. <laughs> well, let's be honest. You're, whoever you cast Superman is going to be a big guy. Mm-hmm. But The Rock is, he's not a small man. Mm-hmm. And that have a hoss fight, you're going to have to have somebody who's close to the same size as him for it to be convincing. Henry Cavill is not a small man. And uh, we've seen him without a shirt on, so we know he worked out. I think that just from a uh, an aesthetic standpoint, as you like to call it a hoss fight in wrestling, oh, yeah. we would get that with Cavill and, 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 and Blaine Johnson because their their size and, and the shape they are in physically. Yeah. So. I, I still remember, I, I mentioned this in a previous episode when I went to see Man of Steel, there was a scene of Henry Cavill walking up out of a lake shirtless, and you could hear the reactions to the ladies in the in the row behind me. <laughs> they they definitely liked that that scenery, so to speak. Heck, I'll, 
If you, if you watch Dwayne Johnson's Instagram, where he posts his five o'clock in the morning workout session. You know, if you ever want to feel real small, like you're wasting your time in life, just watch that to realize <laughs> it's just five in the morning. And he's this man's working out like that every day. Maybe he just wants a workout partner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Henry can probably throw up the heavy iron with the rock and, and stay, stay, and it strikes me with his body. He probably gets up fairly early and hits the gym too. So yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. Only the rock could make the rock look small because you look back when he was wrestling full time, he, he was like half the size he is now. Right. Yeah. Definitely was not as cut. He, he had a little bit of love handles and, and he didn't have the, the, the lower core development and definition right. that he has now. He had the arms, he had the shoulders and chest, but now he's got like even bigger arms, bigger shoulders. He's got abs. The guy mm -hmm. has, I, and to me, speaking to a guy who had worked out most of his life, that probably is as much diet as it is working out. And I can all tell you myself from having been a wrestler on the road, it's not the easiest time in your life to try to eat proper. You're always going to fat food and catering. They try to with the WWF, they try to with their catering, have healthy alternatives, but it's just hard to eat right. Now the rock's home. He has the time to eat cleaner, probably a keto friendly or a full keto, maybe even a carnivore diet to have the type of build he has. Almost all water and nothing else as far as, as as liquid intake. And I don't think the Rock was ever a big drinker, but I'm sure I do know he had a beer every once in a while back then. That's just empty carbs. It's just bad for your for for definition. I mean, he's got none of that now that he's at home. And Cavill has always had a body like that because he's never had to go on the road as a wrestler. But I mean, this is Geekville. This isn't a workout. Yeah, from right. crazy train. Anyway, well, go ahead. one <laughs> other thing about the Rock's physique, I, I think genetics probably play a factor too because you remember his dad Rocky oh, right, Johnson yeah. he had one of the best bodies of all time and one of the greatest drop kicks of all time but wow I, yeah, I know a great body yeah I know October is our crossover month so there's our crossover into wrestling for a little bit well I've, I've always told you half seriously half joking I've always been a bit jealous of the Polynesian and African-American wrestlers because they don't have to tan like us white guys do <laughs> because darker skin naturally adds definition because of the eye the way the eye perceives things you know in depth so they don't have to tan as hard as we do yeah. to get definition showing underneath the bright light. I hate that, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So those are the big geek movie updates here. So let's shift gears here. Want to pay some tributes because like Train said at the top of the show, we lost two very talented actors who definitely have a career in geekery, that being the late great Dame Angela Lansbury and Robbie Coltrane. I remember Angela Lansbury way back. Obviously, Murder, She Wrote, for, for people our age or probably what oh, yeah. what might be most, because that show ran for like seven or eight years and was... Oh, it was a huge hit too. Yeah. And despite hit. what even their own producers would say was an absurd premise, there's a murder every single week. Oh, wow. And she's not even a detective. She's a, she's a, a mystery author. <laughs> right, right. She writes mystery novels. But I believe it was always meant to be kind of a tribute to the Agatha Christie style of how, how things unfold. But yeah, I, I absolutely believe a good chunk of the success of that show was put on her shoulders because of how good she was in sure. that role. And I, I remember yeah. saying in the 90s, if I was in charge of casting, I would have cast her as, as Superman's mother because she'd be perfect for that. But then I remember hearing that even back in the 90s, she she had no interest in playing the main character's mother <laughs> in, in shows or movies. So Right. Yeah. Well, I, I remember Angela from going way back when I was a kid Bed knobs and broomsticks. I cannot remember the production house that did it, but I think it was the same, the same company that did uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. 
Yeah. Which is odd to think that novel was written by Ian Fleming, the same guy who gave us James Bond, but I digress. Some were crossover fan fiction, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. That was one of my favorite animated kid movies when I was a kid. I remember my mom taking me to see it when I was young because, you know, a lot of movies back then, before the advent of videotape and then DVDs and streaming, a lot of the older, especially kids' movies and family movies, the studios would re-release them 10, 15 years later in theaters so the next generation could see them. That's how I'm sure that's how I saw a lot of old Disney movies. It's just how you did, too. Yeah, because it, well, actually, it looks like Bed Knobs Maroon 6 was Disney because yeah. I... Uh, okay. Also, okay. It was. Yeah. Because I remember the other, the male lead in that was one of my favorite villains for a while. The actor's name is David Tomlinson. He he was the bad guy yep. in The Love Bug. And I believe he was also in Mary Poppins, I think, as well. But I don't think he was a bad guy. Well, he was Mr. Banks. He was yeah. the, the children's father. Yeah. And, and Mary Poppins. And, that, and I guess Mary Poppins was probably the first of the Disney films to do, but they had that run there that Bed Knobs and Broomsticks falls in. Well, they were doing this mix of live action hand animation, right? Which is right. really cool. Yeah, with, you yeah. Know, stuff. Pete's like, Dragon uh, was like that. Song of Sabi, there were several of those they did around. Well, Song of Sabi was one fifty. I'm thinking more like late sixties to late seventies. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. that was my first exposure to her. I, I also remember I had a I had a fraternity brother in college who was a film major, and he was all the time bringing videotapes of obscure movies, foreign films, older films. Being a fan of I bet I was in Broomstick as a kid, and, and like you said, knowing Murder, She Wrote, I was kind of fascinated to find she was a very, very acclaimed actress in her younger age, quite, quite, quite the looker, too. Oh, yeah. She was yeah. very attractive when she was younger. She was probably what would be considered a sexy. Mm-hmm. She was that pretty. And a talented singer, had done a lot of Broadway, and probably had as much success on Broadway as she did in film. Yeah, because I remember— I think she might even won a Tony, if I remember right. Yeah, I don't know if it was her Tony, but I know she was part of a uh, stage musical of what? What? What's the Killer Barber musical? Barbara Seville. Um, or, 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 or are you talking about uh, Sweeney Todd? Sweeney, yeah, yeah, Sweeney Todd. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, she she played a role in that and was the uh, the, the accomplice, you might say. You know, um, but if you don't believe me, just do a, just do a search online for Angela Lansbury and look for the older black and white fix. You go, wow, what a looker! She was a very attractive woman and. Not that I'm attracted to women old enough to be my grandmother, but she aged quite well. She was still yeah. very attractive for her age later right. on. You know? Yeah, because I still remember a few years ago, I think it was for a Beauty and the Beast anniversary presentation. She came out and sang the Beauty and the Beast song, and not only was her mm-hmm. voice still very good, she walked out, she was waving, she she looked she looked older, of course. But if you didn't know who she was, you'd think she was maybe 70. Maybe maybe late sixties, mm-hmm. probably so. one in her late eighties. Yeah, I think she might have been ninety by that point. But but yeah, ninety six. Mm-hmm. Ninety six is a full life for anybody. I think she would have been ninety seven had she not passed yet. I think I think her ninety seventh birthday was within the last couple of days. Yeah, I mean, she. I guess that would probably be her last deep cred and probably last major role as as the voice of Mrs. Potts in the animated Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, yeah, so. I think so. Because you're a lot of credit. I, I remember being a musician myself and involved in musical theater. She was the host of the Tony Awards on the broadcast, the TV broadcast, of which I can believe I remember I saw CBS many years, many years. And it made sense. And I mean, I liked Murder, She Wrote, even though it was kind of a cheesy show for, for, for like middle-class moms. <laughs> uh, I love mm-hmm. that I was a broomstick. I love Beauty and the Beast. And uh, very impressed by the older stuff that I saw from this fraternity brother. And, and it, it, the way I always describe Angela Lansbury is she had a, a certain class about her. I think that that generation yeah. of Hollywood just had yeah. that we don't Absolutely. see in stars anymore. The way she carried herself, the way she dressed, 
the way she spoke to the press. Uh, I, I'm sure you're in agreement with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to see what her final acting credit might be, but a, a career that's been that long. It's uh, Well, like you said, she was famous. She was neither. So mm-hmm. obviously yeah. it was not just our respect. This is a respect that was so prevalent that the royal family and the queen decided to honor. So yeah, because when, when I heard that, when she got knighted, I'm like, I didn't know she was born in England. I just assumed she was American. I don't know if she just faked an she American a, accent she, all this she time. She did a very good American accent, didn't she? Yeah. <laughs> like Lenny James in, in Walking Dead. He's so good at American accent. Until you hear him talk there, you forget Lenny James is British. There's a lot of actors I can think of like that. Oh, uh, apparently she was in I, I, she was in Mary Poppins Returns a few years back. That was only a couple of years ago. So Yeah, it was. It was. And, oh. She's in the Knives Out sequel, so she's going to have something she, new out. Oh, 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 okay, come out postures. Yeah, yeah, but it looks like she's playing herself, though. And no, and look, we, we've said before, we, we both crow about how great of a movie Knives Out is. So the the the, yes, yes. the comedy of that movie, having her playing herself, will <laughs> it'll probably, I'm sure it'll work. I'm not the biggest fan of Ryan Johnson, but I do like that he's kind of creating his own universe with that Daniel Craig character. Yeah, kind of a, a, a new school, maybe a few Poirot. Or, or or even a, a I don't know a bond sort of like but but yeah that remind that reminds me I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because and I don't know why I didn't make connection you said it earlier I I do believe and I could be just a Mandela effect here I do believe I saw a few remember the mystery theaters that Vincent Price used to host on PBS mm-hmm. came on like yeah. Saturday nights yeah and they were mostly BBC productions they had a series that were the Christie stuff and of course Agatha Christie had two main sleuths in her novels. There was a Frenchman named Hercule Poirot, and there was a British woman named Miss Marple. I seem to strangely remember Angela Lansbury playing Miss Marple a couple of times in a couple of the BBC productions that they aired on, on the Mystery Theater. And that would make total sense to me. And I think these even predated Murder, She Wrote, because that seems like a role, if you know, and I'm an Agatha Christie fan, that tie into Halloween and all mystery novels. Yeah. yeah. She literally, she was almost like we always said that like RDJ was born to play Tony Stark. I think Angela Lansbury was born to play yeah. this Marvel in her later years. You know? Yeah, and and, and I'll, I'll go on to say I think The Rock may may pull off Black Adam so well that he might be born to he might be born to play Black Adam. But yeah, yeah, uh, there's just certain there's just certain characters actors that are born to play certain roles. Right. As soon as you see them in some other media form, you're like, yeah, this is who needs to play them up there. Yeah. yeah. But you are correct. Uh, the mirror cracked. It looks like she played Miss Marble in, and uh, that's it. The one, one, one of the better, one of the better act of the Christie novel, by the way, her story. And the Sweeney Todd adaption she was in was Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. It looks like it was from 1982. And uh, okay. one thing that I had forgotten that she was in, and I think this definitely qualifies as geekery. It was a animated fantasy musical, The Last Unicorn, from 1982. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, that would probably be my recommendation. Obviously, Murder, She Wrote, she was great in that. But yeah, The Last Unicorn, if you want to hear her do voices outside of Disney, yeah, that that's a pretty good obscure one, I think. So now, well, Robbie Coltrane, he was early 70s, 71, 72, I believe. Heavy K, um, Yeah, and yeah, I, a whole generation, over the last last 20 years or so, I'm sure people will have associated mo- most with Haggard. Again, came across like a role he was born to play, but he was a yeah. very versatile actor. Um Yes. Over over many he's been good guys and bad guys. I wanna say I wanna say he was in Slipstream. I think he was in a small role and he, where he gets killed by Mark Hamill. He was. Yeah. Cause, Remember uh, that. Yep. Yeah, because Slipstream and Mark Hamill versus Bill Paxton, that just has me at hello. My fondest memories of Robbie Coltrane are actually before Haggard. 
and this is going to tie into a lot of geekery. He was in, in the film adaptation of the Alan Moore graphic novel From Hell, which is a conspiracy theory story about he, Jack the Ripper. And the, the film, of course, starred, the main star was Johnny Depp as Inspector Avalon, who was a real person. But Robbie Coltrane played his, his partner in Scotland Yard. And that movie is very polarizing because it does stray so far from some of the Alan Moore graphic novel. There's also some hatred on it because they cast Heather Graham as a, as a Scottish prostitute who is a would-be victim of the Ripper. And I, look, Heather Graham is great to look at, but I don't think everybody would say she's a great actress. Mm-hmm. But I think she was a little bit out of her depth in that role. But she's definitely um, one of my Hollywood crushes. Oh, yeah, she's a beautiful woman. And Johnny Depp, as good as he is, I felt he was a little miscast, too, with Aberline. But I think that had to do more with just how bizarre the script compared to me. I'm, I'm, I'm an amateur ripperologist, which is the term for people who are kind of obsessed with Jack the Ripper murders and study them mm-hmm. for their historical value. He, he not only age-wise, but just the, the, the character, the way it's written, it's very different from who the real Aberline was. But Robbie Coltrane, in my opinion, he was one of the one of the shining stars of a movie that had a lot of problems. And I think Alan Moore, who we all know is extremely vocal about his disciplines, things he's done in the comic book world are turned into film. He actually even said that well, he thought Robbie Coltrane was. So I should tell you something. Because not like Alan Moore's done a whole lot of much of anything to, to praise any of the stuff. I don't know the praise I think I've ever heard him give to any of his works was that's about it. <laughs> I mean, he did not like Lee with Strawberry Gentleman for obvious reason. I, I don't think he loved what Wes Craven did with Swamp Thing, but I don't think Wes Craven liked what Wes Craven did with Swamp Thing. Like <laughs> but it is what it is. Uh, but he did praise Robbie Coltrane. Something I didn't know about until recently was uh, Robbie Coltrane was in a British TV series for ITV, which is a competitor to the mm-hmm. BBC, and it's called Cracker. It's one of those crime drama series, so it's probably in line with like a. You know, maybe maybe like a British version of Law and Order or something like that. But he's he's the main right, character right. in that, and he plays cops very well. So I, I'm I'm sure he's he does. It. He's one of those guys you just, just you like, put him in a uniform, he looks like a cop. Right. He looks well, especially from the cops from your part of the world. They yeah. just call the old Irish bulls. Yeah. Move along now. I've never seen that that cop. You know. <laughs> I could probably make a few donut jokes, but I I won't out of respect. <laughs> yeah. It, the, the thing I liked about Robin Coltrane is my 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 kids were the perfect age to be into the whole Harry Potter stuff, mm-hmm. both the novels and the, and the movies. So I saw a lot of out-of-makeup, out-of-character interviews for Robbie Coltrane at that time because my kids were fascinated. And he just struck me as such a, a down-to-earth guy, which you don't get a lot from Hollywood stars. He seemed like like the kind of uncle you want to have. And I think British actors in general tend to be a little bit more reserved than American actors, mm-hmm. in, generally speaking. But all actors, no matter what nation, they, they're, 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 they have an ego. And he didn't strike me as that ego. He just, he loved the art of acting. And that's mm-hmm. sometimes can get lost. And he's a large man who obviously had weight issues. And I know it's obviously easier for men with weight issues to, to find roles than it is for women. But he never let it slow him down. Whereas a lot of actors his size would probably male and female. No, nah, you just don't have the right look. But it never stopped. He right. stayed actively engaged and, and and a lot of big roles for his whole life. So that's something to be respected for, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So as far as recommendation, I mean, obviously, obviously the Harry Potter stuff, I, I'd throw in Slipstream just because he didn't have a very big part mm-hmm. in that. But there's a lot of good actors in that. And I think it's a very underrated movie. Right. And for me, for me, with it being Halloween, it being having a tie in to comic books, because 
This is Geek Glow Radio. It's, it, it might confuse you. It might make you mad, but I'm hell. Yeah. yeah. And, and he, he's another guy, you know, when we talk about Brits having good American accents, he's Scottish. And I would imagine with some of the Scottish accents out there, trying to sound like an American is probably extra hard for them. I love David Tennant. This is the obligatory Doctor Who reference. I love David Tennant to death, but his American accent ain't that great. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to dive into who is Black Adam. This is Geekville Radio, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? Then check out You Just Got Fragged. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world, and, of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at YouJustGotFragged.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren podcast family. All Time Lords and Ladies, Geek Girl Radio presents Examining the Doctor, a weekly look at everybody's favorite Time Lord, the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor to favorite and not-so-favorite episodes of Doctor Who. From Hartnell to Capaldi, Examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for classic and current Doctor Who fans alike. Examining the Doctor, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at geekgoradio.com. So here we are. Who is Black Adam? Look, everybody's waiting, has been waiting for a while for this Black Adam movie. I mean, it was announced 10 years ago, I think, that Dwayne The Rock Johnson was going to play Black Adam. And I remember saying even then that The Rock would have been a good Shazam because apparently the story is that there was a poll that he went with his fans. He, that he, The Rock pulled his own fans. Do you want to see me as Shazam or do you want to see me as Black Adam? And I thought, wow, he'd be a good Shazam, but boy, he'd be a fantastic Black Adam. I was saying that 10 years ago, and here we are 10 years later, and uh, Black Adam's finally upon us. So for people who may not know who Black Adam is in the comics, we hope to have you all up to speed so you'll be able to understand who this character is in the movies. Obviously, we're not going to go through any movie spoilers, but depending on how close the movie is to the comics, there might be some spoilers. So I guess we'll just start at the beginning. Black Adam first appeared over 75 years ago. He was one of those characters under the Fawcett Comics banner, and uh, he appeared exactly once in the Fawcett era in the issue, the Marvel Family Number 1, which was based off Captain Marvel. And he didn't appear again until years later for DC. But if I understand it, Train, that first issue, that, that was his only appearance in 1945, and he was never seen again until DC actually bought out Fawcett Comics and started their, Fawcett's uh, Captain Marvel. And there's a whole there, there's a whole side story that we already covered in our Who Is Captain Marvel episode from a few years back because short short version, both DC and Marvel Comics had characters that they called Captain Marvel, and there was a legal dispute over that. But we cover that in that episode. I'll link it in the show notes at geeklerradio.com/slash/three one two. So, did you ever read that first Black Adam appearance? I've read clips of it. Like I uh, never obviously had the real comic so old. Right. My, but he was a one-off villain. He was the mirror image of Shazam. And all the same power set, which that's not unusual. I mean, comic books, mm-hmm. Venom Spider-Man, Abomination Hulk. Kit and Carr. Bizarro Superman. There's always going to be that. And so he was created in his backstory. And that was that he was actually the precursor to Shazam, to Billy Batson. And that the wizard should say had gave him the power way back in ancient times and he was he was a leader he was an ancient egyptian named adam tet 
And when he transformed, he was, he, he, he became corrupted by the, his new powers. And so Shazam couldn't remove the powers from him, renamed him Black Adam because he had turned evil. And, and since he couldn't destroy him, he banished him to like the farthest known star of the universe. And then he spent like 5,000 years trying to, to flying back to Earth to seek his revenge on the Wizard Shazam. And by the time he gets here, well, Billy Batson's got the, the new champion of Shazam. I had those powers. And that comic had run for a while. So this is the debut of the Marvel family, which is when they expand out the members, which we're going to see in the next, the next Shazam movie. Yeah, Fury of the Gods, yeah. And it was, yeah, Fury of the Gods. And so the storyline there was, and why it was a one-off, was that Uncle Marvel, who in the comic books was the only unempowered member of the Marvel family, he was kind of like a comic relief character, he figures out Black Adam's weakness, and he tricks him into saying Shazam, which reverts him back to Adam Teth. He's 5,000 year old. He instantly ages and turns to a skeleton. And that's it. Yeah. That's all we see out. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple storyline. At the introduction of a new line, this was not unusual back, back then. Now, I say comic book writers, if they want to introduce a new villain, they have this idea of this villain have, being an overall a villain that's going to last for a while. That wasn't the issue back then. A lot of fans don't know this. The Joker was killed in his very first appearance in mm-hmm. Batman. He was meant to be a one-off villain. How'd that work out? Another perfect example of that is the Shredder with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I had a reprint mm-hmm. of the first ever Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Obviously not the original. Like I got like the fifth printing or something like that. But yeah, they killed the Shredder in the first issue. And so here's this huge brand with the Shredder all over cartoons and other comics and stuff like that. And I'm like, they killed him in the first issue however many years ago. So, you know, it's Once actually again, not that uncommon. Our point, that, 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 that no comic character is really dead. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, yeah, he, he, he was in that one-off appearance. Then about 30 years later, DC Comics buys out Fawcett, and they get the rights to all these characters, and they bring Black Adam back. And really, Black Adam, for the most part, for the next couple decades, was... A, a Shazam villain. He was kind of the the Joker to Shazam's Batman or Lex Luthor to Superman or whatever. And But really in the last probably 15 years or so, maybe 20, I think DC made the effort to try to make him a, a higher grade villain, like basically like a, a an A-lister as far as villains go. And I think the reason why they did is because we're going to go into his powers now. Because his origin in the updated DC versions are pretty much the same. He was banished 5,000 years. He returns 5,000 years later. Captain Marvel beats him, and and then he just returns after that. But Yeah, there's only one major difference, and I'm sure you're getting ready to go over that, was that mm-hmm. with him being the mirror image of Shazam in the original the original Pawsett comics, they gave the, of course, we bought this up in the Captain Marvel in-depth episode we did. They they gave the, the Shazam an acronym. And it was these letters represented these ancient Greco-Roman and and, and uh, Christian biblical characters that his powers that he had were were analogous, and they gave the same exactly. thing to Black Adam. But right. I think you're getting ready to describe when when GC brought him back, they decided to play upon his Egyptian origins and make make this lamb an acronym still, but use actual ancient Egyptian date as, as the letters in the acronym. To represent millions in college. Right. When Billy Batson yells Shazam, he gets similar powers, but they're based off, yeah, those different those different gods, the Greek gods and such. 
Yeah, yeah, the wisdom of Solomon, the the, the strength of Hercules, the all that stuff. Yeah. So we'll go through each of the letters here. Why Shazam is so important. S is for shoe, not not the shoe you put in your foot, but the S H U that which is stamina. The H is for Horus for speed, and some some of these gods I actually know because I was a big Stargate fan back in the day, and of course there's a whole bunch of Egyptian god stuff that that Stargate. How would you say a mind? Yeah. The A is Aman, which would be strength. Z is for Zahudi, which would be wisdom. And the second A is Aton or Aton. I'm not quite sure how that one's pronounced. Right. But, yeah, but the more is, common uh, name for Aton would be Toth. Okay. T-H-O-T-H. Yeah. And that is But it doesn't power. have a Z, so they went, they went to the less familiar <laughs> right. for that god. And I think the, the Aton is for power. And I think the difference between strength and power is strength is the ability to lift things, but the power is this is what gives him the, the magic lightning bolts and uh, and all that stuff. Yeah, because like in the in the Z and the, for the Z and Billy Batson's Shazam, it stands for Zeus and mm-hmm. the, the lightning. It's where we get that exactly. Yeah, same thing. And then the M is for Mehen or Mehen. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that, but that is for courage. So we put all those together, and you have. As I like to say, for the strength of supervillains, he can make Superman say, ow. And uh, we talked about this briefly in our last episode with the Capes and the Couch guys, with uh, Anthony Sitko and uh, Dr. Issues, that I've been chomping at the bit, hoping that we're going to get an on-screen confrontation between Superman and Black Adam, because a lot of people don't know this. Superman has two weaknesses. Comic book fans know this, but the people who watch the movies might not. He's got a vulnerability to... A kryptonite, but he's got a vulnerability to magic as well. And that's why I think The Rock wants to do this on-screen confrontation because it will show that, yes, Superman is actually vulnerable to magic and all of Black Adam's powers are based in magic. I've always said when it comes to the Shazam or Black Adam versus Superman thing that for those that don't know, their power set is exactly the same. I would give Mm -hmm. the edge to Superman only because he has the fleece breath. And Shazam nor Shazam nor Black Adam have that. They don't have the, the, the X-ray laser eyes, but they do have the power of lightning, which is just as damaging and does the same kind of the old RPG player I and mean, heat damage, fire damage. Yeah. There is an animated short film out there. I think it is on HBO Max. You can probably find it on YouTube mm-hmm. as well, but I'm pretty sure you can find it on HBO Max where it is Superman, Shazam, like Return of Black Adam or something like that. Yes, and, yes. It came out about five or six years ago. It, yeah. it is on HBO Max. Yeah. It's on their uh, DC tab. And it is established very quickly because he hits Soups with that Thunderbolt and Soups like, oh, magic. Oh. So you can, you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> he makes Superman say, ow. Yeah. Now, I don't know when people started thinking of him as an, as an anti-hero. He's a villain more like Doctor Doom, where, right. yes, he's a villain, but there is a depth to him where there are probably a few honorable traits that he might have because he he really cares about his people, basically the uh, the country that he rules over, you might say, much like Dr. Doom. Mm-hmm. Right. And he has wow. worked with heroes before. I believe he was even part of the JSA for a while, I think. He was. Yeah, he, he's openly stated before that he has a lot of respect for some of the JSA heroes, especially the Jay Garrick version of Flash and Dr. Midnight. Now, as far as the whole thing, we, we see it in the trailers where The Rock's saying, my son gave his life to save mine or something like that. I, I don't recall that being in any of the comics. I don't know if that's been in, in anything more no. recent. Does that ring a bell with you? Or 
No, the, the, the next major thing, thing that I can think of in the development and the progression of Black Adam would have come with the, not the new 52, but the original 52, which was what, 96, 97? I'm the DC guy. Why am I asking? <laughs> Whatever it came out. I know they, the new they, 52. They, they brought back, yeah, they brought him back again. And here's what we saw. I think, I think there was, I think it was Jeff Johns and all this stuff. It was when he was first becoming a big deal at DC. Mm-hmm. He retconned the character, you know, amazing. That happened in comic books all the time, where this time they tied Black Adam and his backstory into Dr. Savannah. Because when they kill off Black Adam, the first two times we see him, Dr. Savannah basically becomes the, the main villain for Shazam. And I, they retconned it where his skeleton, from where he turned into a skeleton the second time, because they made him say Shazam and he, and he, you know, he aged quickly. It's dug up by archaeological dig that is funded by Dr. Shivana, and then Dr. Shivana uses a machine to bring him back to life, and then Black Adam promptly destroys the machine, so it can't be used against mm-hmm. him, because this is all Dr. Shivana. <laughs> and uh, that sounds like a Lex Luthor Joker storyline, but I digress. Uh, he, he from there, they, they kind of retcon it. He's not ancient Egyptian. He is the, the, the son of a pharaoh, and they actually let, ran over an ancient Middle, a Middle Eastern country called Kondok, and the date set for his birth or what was like September 11th, 1279, which this was before the terrorist attacks in New York. This is before 2001. September 11th is a minor holiday in the Islamic calendar. I just cannot remember what it is. But um, anyway, he there, he, they make him a little bit, like I said, a little more nuanced. He's, he's a leader uh, of this old country. He was like a protector of Kondok. And he, he's very violent and very aggressive, but I don't think that he's necessarily a bad guy. He was just typical of what rulers were at that time. Their, their form of justice is not the same morally or realistically to what our idea of justice is in the modern time. And at that point, I'm always said, and I think it bears bringing up now because in light of the fact that he's going to be involved in Conda Forever, which is coming out in about a month, is I've always made him very analogous, or at least the story arc. And they'd be an evolution of the character to Marvel's Namor. Powerful individual with a lot of lot of powers, somewhat magical based, that is a leader of people who, depending on the time of day, the day of the week, and how you your your perception they can be seen as a hero, an anti-hero or a villain. Right. We should probably do a who and, is Namor you know, when what kind of forever comes out. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. But I think that's a fair comparison, don't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I now that you explained it that way, I can see that. You know, so I think Black Adam has a code. It's just his code is so outdated, we might see it as evil, whereas at his time, been more neutral. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how you settle you settle differences with duels instead of debates. Right, and it's also why I think that his character, I think his character has become to respect the JSA because the JSA is that's the that's the golden age of comics. We're talking thirties and forties. So those characters have a more old-fashioned idea of justice and a more old-fashioned just vibe to them. He probably relates that to more than he does to modern heroes and villains, which just totally makes sense. It was also around this time that he also, another analogy I would make to a Marvel character, he became a lot like Venom in the Spider-Man world because instead of being Adam Teth, he is this dual character where when he has the power of of the Egyptian gods, he is Black Adam. When he's not, his his mortal, you know, like the Billy Batson, is a guy named named Theo Adam, 
who was the head of the archaeological dig that, that discovered his remains. And once again, retconning, we all know Billy Batson is an orphan. Mm-hmm. And he's an orphan because his parents both die. Well, they're killed because they're, they're a part of this archaeological dig for Savannah Enterprises. And Theo Adam realizes that he's gonna, they're going to expose him for some unethical things, so he kills him. And part of the storyline involves Black Adam being tried for the murder of the Batson and why Shazam gets involved because he really he finds this out years later and he blames Black Adam for the death of his parent. And in a strange modern twist, it was actually Theo Adam that killed his parents, not Black Adam. So the DNA and fingerprint evidence to the crime doesn't match Black Adam, you know. And so from there on, we see this thing where Eddie Brock's not a bad guy. He's kind of a decent guy, but when the symbiotes uh, and he becomes venom, the symbiotes can put in control. You got the same mm-hmm. thing going on now with Black Adam and 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 Theo Adam. Where when Black Adam's in control, he's kind of more of an anti-hero. But when Theo Adam's in control, he's a total villain. He's a jerk. He's a murderer. Mm-hmm. So that whole dynamic would be wonderful talk to have with the guys cape uh, cape and couch. <laughs> it, it, it's a very it's almost like Sybil. It's almost split personality, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's kind of how I've always explained Black Adam to Marvel fans. He's a little bit, the, the, the dynamic's a little bit of the same between Eddie Brock and Venom, and he has a lot in common with Nick. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. So, yeah, we're I think we're going to have him as the focal point, or a focal point, maybe not the focal point, of the DC movies from now on. Because I obviously he's going to cross paths with Shazam. That, that that has to happen. I think it's a pretty safe bet he's going to cross paths with with Superman at some point. We've all heard rumors. Like I said, I, I don't like potentially spreading uh, false information that raises up people's hopes. So, But I think it's going to happen sooner or later. And uh, it'll be interesting to see a Superman-Black Adam fight, especially since we know Superman's got that weakness to magic. So I, I wonder, I wonder, based on the, on the trailers and, and just the, the, the scope of the movie being the entire Marvel family, are we going to get just one one backstory for him, or is it going to be an amalgam of all the ones we just named? Because we do see in the trailers, and we know Hawkman and, and Dr. Fate are in this movie as well. And there was a time, I can't remember which, I think it was the, the first DC storyline of Black Adam. He joined a group called like the, the League of Immortals, and it was the oldest living entity, sentient beings on Earth. When it included Hawkgirl, it included... Vandal Savage, you include Black Adam, and I think you include Dr. Fate. So there might be a tie in that way. I don't know. I mean, yeah. well, you're going to say 75 years, the character has been around. So they have a lot of source material they can draw on if they want to. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to wrap up this episode of Geekville Radio. We hope you get enough of a vibe for who Black Adam is when the movie comes out this weekend. And obviously we will have our own review and this has been Geekville Radio. You can find us at geekvilleradio.com. You can subscribe there with the podcatcher of your choosing, or you can look through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. You can do a search for Geekville Radio, and you should find us as well as our entire family of podcasts. And Train, if anybody wants to talk to you about uh, comics or wrestling or whatever, where can they find you? I'm always available on Twitter at CrazyTrain underscore JB. That is pretty much my handle across all media platforms that I have an account on. Just do a search for it and you'll find me. We're continuing the month of October. We still got a, and we still got our induction this year, uh, this month, this year's Halloween theme. Lesser known Geek Hall of Fame. I'm not going to give any spoilers away because I know Seth likes to tease y'all online about who it's going to be, who that going to be. Yep. We'll have another examining the dead up. 
mm-hmm. uh, before the end of the month, where we're going to talk a lot about about werewolves and specifically review the the Marvel one hour special on Disney Plus, the Werewolf by Night, and another really famous werewolf movie. Just talk about werewolves in general and their history of, in horror films. And of course, we will release on Halloween a condensed version in podcast form of the 31 lesser-known horror movie trailers that I've been posting every day. I don't know, Seth caught two days ago, I posted an, an 80s movie called Layer of the White Worm, which just happened mm-hmm. to be one of Peter Capaldi's first roles. So yeah. there's our second obligatory Dr. Who <laughs> for this episode. And the photo that's in that post, that creeped me out at first. Whatever, the level of speak teeth or whatever is coming out <laughs> I, of that guy's mouth or something. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's a state vampires. Obviously. It was the second vampire story based on, loosely. The second vampire story that Bram Stoker wrote, but obviously mm-hmm. it's not nearly well known. You pointed out our last episode, uh, which was our nostalgia trip. We talked about the history of Hollywood Boys. And I've been doing this for three years. So there's going to be, you know, 93 horror films I never repeat every year. Now, this would be the fourth year. The first year I did it was 2019. So when I'm done with this one, there'll be what, 104 times, four times 31, yeah. 124. Yeah, I think it is 124. Movies. Yeah. If, if you cannot find 100, if you cannot find at least one or two Halloween movies to your taste in 124, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I know the list fits me because at least I recommended The Prowler. I remember that. So, yeah, like The Prowler from the Sonic first year, but yeah, there's been a few on there. And I, I, I have family stuff on there. I have, I have some animated. I have some, yeah, I, I don't mm-hmm. limit it just. Just a gore. Yeah, I love slashers. That's my favorite type of subgenre, but it's everything. I, I've already done one silent film already this year. I do at least two or three every year that are like 20s, 30s, 40s, that era. So there's a little bit of everything. And, and I know it creeped you out, but come on. It's, oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention, you know who the co-star, the, lead, the other lead is besides a young Peter Capaldi in this movie? Hmm. A young Hugh Grant. Oh, so okay. If that doesn't have your interest, if that doesn't have your interest, I don't know what will. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely piqued my interest. So that's just a taste of what's in store for the rest of the month of October with our annual crossover where we cross over all of our shows in the Geeful Radio family. So we want to thank you folks for listening. Stay tuned. A whole lot more fun to come, and we will talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the hosts and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of geekvillradio.com, a1-wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved. Two news bits that hit today that I think both are actually... I'm Sam. Are you not going to give me the introduction? Oops. <laughs> I knew I forgot something. Wow. Okay.